Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I am Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. If you're just uh, heading into work or you've got to move on with your day some other way and you can't listen to the show live right now, you can always hear today's full edition of Detroit Today on the Detroit Today podcast. Just go to iTunes or wherever it is that you download podcasts, uh, subscribe and download, and you can listen to Detroit Today whenever or wherever you want to. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about personal data, all of the personal data that gets collected about us these days and how it can now be used to determine when people need to be sent to prison or when people who are in prison should be paroled. It is a really interesting and some would say disturbing development in technology. We're going to talk with an expert about that. But up front, uh, we're going to talk about the new Q-Line streetcar system here in Detroit. It has been up and running for just about a week. That's after about a decade of political and financial wrangling that threatened to make the project just never happen at all. Fares are free all week, and there is a lot of excitement over the shiny new streetcars and ridership. If you have been in downtown or midtown Detroit at all in the last week, you know people are lining up in very big numbers to try to get on to this thing. I have uh, ridden it two times this week to work uh, here at WDET from Grand Circus Park, and both times Uh, The cars were full with a mix of people who just seemed to want to maybe see what the streetcar was about. Some people who were in town from out of town trying to get to attractions here in the city. But importantly, I met commuters, other commuters on the train, people who worked at the DMC, people who live in Midtown and work downtown. I've run into all kinds of people on this train just in the first seven days that we've had it open. But of course, the big question is, will it stay that way? And we've seen already that there are a lot of people on social media and elsewhere saying this is an embarrassing excuse for transit in a community that so badly lacks public transportation options. Uh, It is being called in some quarters nothing but a toy for so-called new Detroit and new Detroiters and that it doesn't do much to benefit the rest of the city. Who's right here? And what is this streetcar system? What is it not? And more importantly, I want to have a conversation today about how we build on this idea. I've lived here for 30 of the 46 years I've been alive. And this is this is only the second public transit win that I can sort of come up with. Uh, in all of that time. And some people would probably fight me over the idea that I'm calling the people mover uh, a win, which turns 30 uh, in the next few years, uh, is still running, is still ferrying people around. But a lot of people say it's sort of a novelty. It's, uh, it doesn't really go anywhere. It just sort of darts between <clears throat> spaces in downtown Detroit. I think this is a pivotal moment for us in Southeast Michigan, the idea that we have achieved 3.3 miles of rail to get people at least from New Center down to downtown, New Center, Midtown, uh, the Museum District, those places. Uh, The question is, what's next? Can we build on this? Can we make this into something that actually functions for far more people uh, in the region than this does? That has been the problem for us 
for at least 40 years. The People Mover, if people will remember, was supposed to be the beginning of a much larger system. That didn't happen for a number of reasons, most of which have to do with the way we think about public transit around here, the way we fund public transit around here, and the commitment that we have to making sure that people can get around. So we want to start today uh, with that conversation about the streetcar, and we want to hear about uh, your experiences with it. Uh, have you been on the Q-Line yet? Are you planning to ride the Q-Line? There was a Tigers game last night and the night before uh, in downtown Detroit. There were concerts in downtown and midtown. I saw lots of people going to and from those events on the streetcar. Were you one of them? Are you planning to make this part of your normal life here in Detroit, or do you just think it's sort of uh, a fantastical thing that you might go try to experience one or two times, but that it doesn't factor into your regular transit plans. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today will work your comments into the conversation. And I want to bring two people into this conversation who know quite a bit about it. Megan Owens is the executive director of Transportation Riders United. And Bill Bradley is a reporter who wrote an article recently in City Lab that is titled, The Streetcar Boondoggle Continues, this time in Detroit. Bill Bradley and Megan Owens, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Steve. Sure. Uh, Megan, uh, I want to start with you. You you and I have had this conversation, it seems, uh, interminably (laughs) about uh, about transit in this region. Uh, We've worked together in the past on trying to get things uh, passed here, get us to a better space uh, in terms of the way we plan transit and the way we cooperate around transit. Uh, I think uh, you might be... Uh, someone who was even more disappointed than I was <laughs> in November when for the 40th time, uh, again, the 40th time almost in my in my lifetime, we failed to come together and fund a regional transit authority that would have made transit a lot more accessible to a lot more people. I'm really curious about how you see the Q-Line given uh, that history that you have here, given the experience you have trying to make transit work for uh, people, especially people in the city of Detroit, is the Q line a step in the right direction or is it a distraction from the work that you've been trying to do? I really do see it as a step forward uh, and for a couple of reasons. No, it's not regional transit and it never claimed to be. No, it's not rapid transit, uh, although I had some battles with the uh, people who were developing it when in the <laughs> early years that it really should be quicker. Yeah. Uh, but if instead of looking at what a, it could have or should have been or what people would ideally want, it is by in and of itself a step forward. It is a convenient, uh, attractive way to get up and down one of the busiest corridors in our entire metro region. There's a ton of major destinations and activities all along the corridor, and this is a convenient, attractive way to get around them, um, cert, uh, both for Uh, people who live and work along the corridor. I talked to a few uh, students who lived, uh, Wayne State students who lived downtown who were just ecstatic about getting an annual pass and this was going to be their regular uh, travel mode. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also talked to tourists who were in from Europe uh, who said, oh, wow, now you mean I can get up to the Fisher Building and see that gorgeous architecture? I can get to the DIA? Uh, 
quickly and easily. I think it will be a positive step forward, both for for those types of audiences, as well as the hundreds, probably thousands of people who came down to experience transit, to to just to try it out. Uh, and who were willing to wait 30 and 45 minutes on the uh, opening weekend when it was so packed because they were excited to see modern transit come to Detroit. So I really do believe it is a positive step forward to the region as long as we don't stop here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Bradley, your your article in City Lab takes uh, quite a different view of of the Q line to talk about why you are not optimistic about this development. Well, it's not, but it's not that I'm not optimistic. I just think that it's a a missed opportunity. There was a a great deal of interest in, in Detroit after the bankruptcy. And you look at, I mean, this, the M1, it's been a decade, Megan, you'd been working on it for years Mm -hmm. and it it just could have been so much more. Uh, You know, there was a chance, Initially, they talked about stretching it all the way north of 8 Mile. Uh, the RTA ballot proposal failed last year at the box, and I just feel like it could have been so much more, which yeah. is not to say it's nothing. I, I, Megan, I agree with you wholeheartedly that this is a step in, in the right direction, um, and especially when you look at the permanency of it, right? There are tracks in the ground. That's, that's huge. This is different than anything Detroit has seen in a very, very long time. And, and that can be used to a positive effect, right? It can, that could turn up at a ballot proposal. Say if the RTA comes up again in 2018, you know, people who may have been reticent or opposed to mass transit, the queue line can change attitudes and behaviors. Right. Uh, when you say that it could have been these other things, I mean, there's no question that, that uh, when we started this conversation 10 years ago, there were lots of things that were sort of thrown onto the table, ideas about where it could go, what it could do. Uh, I remember that, that debate about it going to 8 Mile. It, it seemed that the biggest impediment to any of that was was money. I mean, the money for this system for the most part, has come from private uh, private mm-hmm. coffers. Uh, and, and we have been unable, uh, as a community, to raise government dollars, uh, public dollars, to, to match that uh, or to, to, to sort of supersede it, to say that this is going to be a public project. I mean, is, is it fair, I guess, to sort of uh, to, 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 to criticize the, the streetcar that we have because – uh, it, it couldn't have been these other things that we that we basically couldn't afford. Bill, um, I, I don't quite understand. Are you saying is it fair to criticize it because it's just it was funded just through private money? Well, I mean, we didn't have the money to take it to Eight Mile, for instance. I mean, right, uh, of course. And 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 you know, I suppose we could have tried to raise that money, but as we learned last fall, you know, we, we've got a real problem around here when it comes to the way th- people think about transit. Right. I mean, so there's no reason that streetcars can't provide good good transportation and mobility options for residents. But the, the problem is with the Q-Line, I think, is that it doesn't work in concert with a larger, wider network, right. which I know is obviously, hopefully the future, and, and that is something that could happen in the next five to ten years. But as it stands right now, it's more for tourists and, you know, people who live in the, in the 7.2. Yeah. And there are certainly some, I, I agree that uh, 
it's it's limited uh, because it shares traffic. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen several instances already where uh, a, a turning car in front of it was uh, stopped on the tracks, and so it couldn't go anywhere. So a lot of the criticism about the fact that it is slow I think is valid, and, and certainly the people who developed it never promised it was going to be fast, but I do think there are steps that can be taken to have it move a little faster. Uh, they uh-huh. could put signal priority on the traffic signal so that uh, a, a green light will stay green just an extra 15 or 20 seconds to let the streetcar through so it can move a little faster. They're already working on uh, making sure that uh, police and tow trucks are ready if someone does park or stall out uh, on the tracks that they get towed immediately and it doesn't slow down uh, the travel. So there are some steps that have been and hopefully will be taken to make it a little bit more quick uh, and reliable. Uh, but again, it's it's great to think about all the things that we would love to have and hopefully will someday have. Uh, there, while the ballot measure lost last year, it was incredibly close and there was it a enormous demonstration of support for transit over the past year or two. Yeah. Uh, even when the uh, queue line was grand opening, the uh, the uh, business leaders who helped invest in it, uh, political leaders from the local, state, and federal yeah. levels all spoke out about how this was a great start, but it's not the end, that yeah. we need to move forward from here and give people more ways to get to downtown without their vehicle and then the people mover and the queue line can both be great ways for people to get around That's once right. they're down here. That's the challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Megan Owens. She's the executive director of Transportation Riders United. Also, Bill Bradley, a reporter who wrote an article recently in City Lab titled The Streetcar Boondoggle Continues. This time in Detroit, we are talking about the debut of the queue line, uh, now about a week old. Uh, lots of people lining up to get on the queue line, maybe just to see what it's like, but maybe to sort of see if this is a way they might get around Midtown and Downtown. We want to hear from you about your experiences so far with the queue line. Have you been on it? Are you using it daily, uh, perhaps, to get around uh, Midtown and Downtown? Or do you think uh, this is maybe sort of the wrong kind of transit here or not a big enough a step forward in the sort of transit progression. Think of all the things that we've tried or talked about trying here in Metro Detroit that haven't worked. Is this yet another iteration of those kinds of things? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll, we'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hi, hey. Megan. Hi, Bill. Um, thank you for having me on the show. Sure. I am a resident of Detroit. I live in northwest Detroit near Livernoy and Seven Mile. And uh, there's no bigger booster for the city than myself. I love it. I want it to succeed. I want the Q-Line to succeed. But uh, as a millennial, I'm 30 years old. Um, my friends, most of us live along six and seven mile. And it's just too much for us to access the queue line. We would have to take <laughs> a six or seven mile bus right. to Woodward. <laughs> and then the, the 53 down, the right? Bus <laughs> to Grand Boulevard for some godforsaken reason, get off the bus, which is moving faster than the queue line, get on the queue line, and then take 30 minutes to go the last three miles. Yeah. Um, yeah. As much as I want the queue line to succeed, you know, for the vast majority of Detroiters, 
I'm I'm afraid it's going to suffer the same fate as the people mover, where it's really just going to see peak ridership along the times of certain events or sporting events in the city. Other than that, it's going to more or less not be used very much because even Wednesday students are a transient population. They're not going to use it all the time as excited as they may be. And as a father, you know, I want to take my children down to the riverfront or to the DIA. I can't foresee a time that I'm going to drive to the DIA park, ride the queue line downtown to the riverfront, and then ride it back to the DIA. You wouldn't wouldn't do that. That's that's interesting. (laughs) Like we would, that doesn't make sense. So, so Robert, um, let me ask you, let, let me ask you this. Do, obviously, you're saying you won't, you don't feel like you'll use this, but does it sort of give you uh, any sort of hope that we can get a better system in place? In other words, because this is an actual win that we actually sort of drew up on the on the board and and got into the ground and now it's functioning, does it does it build any sort of momentum? I guess in your mind that we're at least moving in the right direction on transit and that perhaps we can get that line to run all the way up to seven or eight mile. And then you're just talking about taking the seven mile bus over, over to okay. it. Does that, does that resonate at all with you? I think it's undecided. I mean, of course I want it to be that, but in order for it to do that, it has to have the ridership and we would be depending on tourists and people that are already along that corridor that are for the most part, going to use it on a very loose basis. They're not going to be using it every day. Yeah. I think yeah. ridership probably has to be in the tens of thousands per week in order for it to support the financial or the economic forward. case to extend that far. So, well, I think you you do you know. bring up a great point, is that this is not a standalone piece. This is part of a broader system. And my hope is that the Q-Line will help spotlight the fact that, well, people are frustrated that it doesn't go everywhere you know what, we do have buses that go many of those places. I've already been talking with folks about how can we promote, sure, the the Q line might not get where you are, but maybe you can use our uh, unofficial J line, take the Jefferson bus uh, or or the new Reflex bus. There there are a lot of transit options that people don't uh, fully utilize, whether it's because they don't know that they exist or uh, because they uh, are have heard bad stories in the past about unreliability. I wonder if maybe the, the, all of the attention on the Q-Line gives an opportunity to uh, spotlight some of the other transit options that we have. Yes, they're limited. Yes, we need more. Yeah. But we do have other options for getting elsewhere in the city and the region. Right. Robert, thank you very much uh, for the call. One, one thing I'd also point out to Robert is he lives in an area of the city where you actually can make transit work pretty well to get downtown. I mean, if you just get on the seven-mile bus... Uh, and transfer to the Woodward, the 53, uh, you're, you're downtown pretty pretty quickly. The bus, I know, is not as attractive to most people as rail, but it does move faster at this point. There's no question that uh, that you can do that a little quicker than, uh, than the train. Um, uh, again, Robert, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Angela in Detroit. Angela, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> You got to turn your radio down. Yeah, I'll, turn my radio. I'll, I'll just go into another room. <laughs> okay. Um, as soon as this conversation began, I remembered the thought of falling forward, which I count on in my life to encourage me. I live near Livernoy at Six Mile, and uh, we, well, the city or somebody put that boulevard in there, which made everyone furious yes. for quite a long time. 
anyway, um, the boulevard on Livernois. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, um, one of the things that showed up when they were doing the excavation was the rails from the old trolley that mm-hmm. used to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is that General Motors put a lot of pressure against the other forms of transportation beside the personal car, and that's what won. And it's taking people a really long time to get the concept that there are other ways to do this. People are riding bikes all over the place, and this little queue line is, you know, putting a new thought into people's imagination. Mm-hmm. It's a thing to do. Yeah. It um, is true. You, I mean, you're right that, that uh, back in the 40s and 50s, or well, back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, Detroit had one of the most extensive public uh, streetcar systems in the entire nation. And... Uh, and yet, when they were taken out in the 40s and 50s, uh, there, the the buses were seen as the exciting new flexible alternative uh, to the the old streetcars. So it is interesting to see things turn full circle. But I think you also bring up an excellent point about options. It's about having a variety of options. Uh, sometimes, as a as a public transit advocate, people act as if I'm somehow. Uh, threatening to take away their car. I'm going to drag their keys out of their hands. No, just because you started using uh, a cell, uh, a smartphone didn't mean you eliminated email. Just because you start using a Facebook Messenger doesn't mean you completely stop uh, ever using the, the postal service. There's just like you have a variety of communication options, which may serve different people at different times and different needs. The goal is to have a variety of transportation options. Sometimes they may want to walk or bike. Sometimes I'll hop on the queue line. Other times the bus will be right. But I'm still not getting rid of my car. I still uh, want to be able to drive around when that is the most attractive option. Yeah. So It's hard to get, to get folks in this region to think that way. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I've lived in other places, Chicago, Baltimore, uh, Washington, where that, there's a much more natural fit, I guess, in people's minds to the idea that sometimes you're in the car, but sometimes you're on the train, sometimes you're on the bus, and you see them all as uh, you know equally acceptable in in different circumstances. We we lost that here a long time ago, and it is going to take quite a while to get that back. I mean, the reality is. For some people, that's already the case, and they're thrilled to have more options, uh, whether it's the bike share coming next week or whether it's the queue line or other options. But um, there's still a lot of people for whom driving is is their norm. Yeah. Uh, but, again, that's fine. Uh, but the more options we can offer people, uh, because some options don't work. Right. It's The car might work great for you, but... Uh, what happens if you break your foot? Uh, what happens if <laughs> right. uh, you suddenly yeah. have seizures and what if can't, you can't drive? Afford a car? I mean, what if you can't afford a car or crazy insurance? 35% of the people in, in the city don't have cars, chiefly, I think, because of, of the money. Bill Bradley, I hear you trying to, to break in there. I want to give you a chance to... Oh uh, Well, I was just going to say that the queue line is giving more mobility options like Megan talked about, and hopefully that can... I mean, look, behaviors are so hard to change, and... The fact of the matter is that the majority of the time in Detroit, it's easier to get around with a car. I mean, the 53 is a, is a terrific bus, um, but it's you can get places faster on a car or on a bike than you can sure. taking mass transportation in the city. But to that effect, if the queue line can change people's behaviors and get people to think differently about various modes of mobility, I mean, that's a net positive. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the queue line and public transit in Southeast Michigan. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019. Ray in Woodhaven, Josh in Detroit, Joanne in Detroit. We will get to you. Your city. Your town. Your voice. 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Megan Owens, the executive director of Transportation Writers United, and Bill Bradley, a reporter who's written an article in City Lab titled The Streetcar Boondoggle Continues. This time in Detroit, we are talking about the debut of the Q-Line here along Woodward Avenue, 3.3 miles from Campus Martius up to Grand Boulevard. Is this a major step forward for us? in southeast Michigan in terms of transit, even though it's not physically that much of a step forward, is the idea that we've got a transit win now under our belt something that we can build on? Is it uh, momentum that we can harness to get a better public transit system for the more uh, needy, really, uh, areas of the city, the places where people live in neighborhoods that uh, that are not serviced by public transportation in neighborhoods that are beset by poverty and isolation that makes getting around a real challenge. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to uh, Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work your comments into the conversation. Uh, let's go to Ray in Woodhaven. Ray, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thank you for having me. Sure. Yeah. So I, I employ about 100 people between Plymouth and uh, Canton. Uh-huh. Um, most of my employees come from the city of Detroit, uh, the Southfield 7 Mile, or as far as, I mean, some of them live on the east side. You're talking about an hour drive. And a lot of them can't afford to upkeep cars. Um, we don't make great wages. Yeah. <laughs> and I need my folks to be able to come to work. The queue line is cute, but I am scared that it is just another people mover. We're going to get it, and then it's another 30 years before we talk about having a rail system that can get people to work who work outside the city and get people who live outside the city to work inside the inside city. Inside the city, sure. Uh, Ray, just out of curiosity, how did you feel about the RTA funding proposal? I that voted for it. You voted for it, yeah. I, then, I mean, we... I don't understand why cities are even allowed to say anything about transit. They shouldn't be allowed to because transit should be something that's more important than individual city needs. It should be about the state needs. It should be about the entire region's needs. Yeah. Yeah. Ray, uh, thanks very much for the call and the thoughts. I mean, I think uh, lots of employers like you uh, are real frustrated by the, the the lack of transit options in the region to be able and to I'd, get their employees around. And I'd certainly yeah. encourage you to share those opinions with your with your uh, <laughs> municipal leaders in those communities sure. who've chosen not to be a part of the smart suburban bus system uh, as well. Well, you're certainly your county leaders are are strongly supportive uh, when it comes to uh, supporting regional transit, but. Uh, but yeah, we need we need more vo- more of those voices to come out. This is about ensuring 
Uh, we need to have lots of different options for people to get to jobs, uh, for those job seekers, and for the employers to be successful. So thank you so much for sharing yeah, that input. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. I mean, there are. Go ahead, Bill. So, yeah. Well, I was going to say that gets to the point where the thing about the queue line is it's just not equitable, equitable transit. In and of itself, the queue line is without question a positive thing for, for the city of Detroit. But there are a lot of job opportunities in the suburbs, sure. and 26% of Detroit's households don't have access to a vehicle. Right. And it's, there are good paying jobs in the suburbs and it's difficult to get there if you, if you don't have a car. And, uh, that doesn't even get to the point talking about how expensive car insurance is. I know the free press has worked at a big yeah. feature on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just looking at a tremendous cost to have a car and there are just, if you're trying to claw your way out of poverty, you know, there are no ways to get to these decent jobs that are good jobs in the suburbs. That's right. That's right. Uh, let's go to Josh in Detroit. Josh, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, thank you, Stephen. Uh, hey, Megan, it's Josh Allen from, from Jefferson East. Hey. Uh, just calling in here. Um, Stephen, your article about the potential expansion, thank you for that. Um, I got 20 calls from Jefferson Avenue uh, business owners asking when they get their queue line stop along <laughs> East Jefferson. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Uh, but no, I, I want to actually, I, I've appreciated some of the concerns that your callers have said, but we think we do, we can't lose sight of the accomplishment that the, the Q-Line leadership was able to do to sort of pull this off through automotive bankruptcy, municipal bankruptcy. So there is something to be said about that. But I'm also appreciative of the discussion about your know, regional transit and how could the Q-Line be expanded down major arterials in Detroit. And so I think as we sort of move along this conversation, we see what the Q-Line can teach us about, about fixed rail transit. But how is that going to influence a conversation like expansion along Jefferson? Does rail make sense? Does, does BRT make sense? How far can you go on rail? Can you make it all the way to Gross Point where you only make it to the villages? And then, so how does it get baked into the conversation about regional transit? And my hope is that this is the spark that allows us to go back to the ballot in 2018 uh, to push for regional transit so yeah. people can get to the jobs out in Plymouth as well as, you know, get, get from Rivertown into downtown and get from Jeff Chalmers and Gross Point Park, you know, into downtown. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I will say that anyway. one, of the, one of the things I really worry about, uh, the, the way that this was funded was extremely unique. Uh, folks from all across the country are, are coming to try to find out how the queue line was funded and they want to, because they want to do it that way. But the reality is very few places do you have um, uh, wealthy businessmen who are willing, or companies that are willing to donate uh, millions or even tens of millions of dollars to a really what should be a public infrastructure project, certainly not a foundation right. uh, that is going to put in the, the type of f- funding that the Kresge did. We need to recognize this was unique. This is not a new type of funding that we can assume we can expand uh, transit Maybe there, there might be a few more areas that have the, the type of uh, property development potential, but everywhere else in the nation to invest in transit, to expand uh, people to jobs, to get people to jobs, you need to have a public investment. The reality is our region spends a third of what almost every other major metropolitan area spends so we shouldn't be surprised when our buses are when limited and when there isn't enough. Yeah. So unless we're going to change our public investment, we shouldn't expect to see too dramatic of a of a change uh, beyond a few small areas that did invest themselves. I think that's right. 
Um, okay, one more call here before we uh, wrap this up. Joanne in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes, hi. How are you today? Good. Well, I I do agree with Mr. Bradley. I consider this a, a, a missed opportunity because you don't have the the rail up on a dedicated rail, so I don't think it's going to be going any faster than the bus. Uh, I live not far from the Grand Boulevard stop, and I can get downtown on my bicycle in 25 minutes. So I do see it as useful as another option, but uh, a lot of people, when it comes to time, I think if they have the money, they would rather drive down and and park. And so, and when people talk about it, getting people to jobs, is that, I've lived in the Bay Area of California and in Washington, D.C., where they have 10 car trains that come at rapid intervals. I mean, that's a system that's really designed to move people. And so, while I do agree with people, I hope this is a spark to create a better system, but at the same time, and I'm someone who voted against the RTA, not because I want people to wait another 30 years, but it just, the development of the queue line to me was like not the greatest <laughs> choice of going in the right direction. And yeah. if that's what that was going to be, no, I didn't support it. But let's go back to the table. Why was there train to Ann Arbor, but not train up Gratiot or other places? So I don't find it to be equitable. There's an awful lot of pressure uh, in certain neighborhoods because of this train to oh, build density, but it really wasn't designed to move a lot of people and, and yeah. function with the density people say they yeah. want. Joanne, so I, I view it as much. a missed opportunity. Yeah. And, thanks very um, much for the call know. there, Joanne. I, I, I really appreciate your thoughts on that. Um, I, I'm going to ask one last question here. Is it the wrong strategy to start in the densest part of town with mass transit. I mean, I think that was the idea behind the queue line was that this is the place where you have the most people, where you have uh, sort of a burgeoning uh, business economy, both both in terms of commercial now and, and entertainment. Uh, is that the wrong way to do it? Should we have started uh, with something that was a little more neighborhood focused? I, I'm, I'm curious about how other cities sort of handle that. Well, the reality uh, is this is the area that has enough uh, density and enough potential for growth to have demand for high-capacity transit. No, this isn't necessarily as high-capacity as it could be, but uh, running them a little more frequently, adding a little more, it could carry a huge number of people. There have been some communities that have tried to build streetcars into areas that they were hoping to see development and then people complain that there's not enough ridership. Uh, so I think it does make sense to start in the densest, densest areas as long as we don't stop there. As long as we don't stop That's there. the key is to, to, keep um, going. to keep going and give people other ways to get downtown, yeah. uh, whether it is the, the BRT on Woodward, Gratiot, Michigan, other corridors uh, that also have a lot of great demand and a lot of great uh, density yeah. for drawing people yeah. in. Bill, Bill Bradley, go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, I think... Absolutely. In practice, it makes sense to build it where it's most dense. And I do think that the queue line has a lot better chance to succeed than the people mover did. I mean, the people mover opened in July of 1987. Right. And downtown Detroit looked a lot different then. And when streetcars are constructed at the same time as other investments, it, it has a lot higher chance of success. I mean, 
fact of the matter is there wasn't a lot of investment in, in downtown Detroit in 1987. That's true. And, and since 2011, when, when this was launched, I mean, you look at all the investment that's popped up down Woodward. Now you can say that a chicken and an egg, but there's a groundswell of investment in that part of town. And I think it gives it an opportunity to succeed more than it would if it was going all the way out Crash Hit or if it was going all the way out Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Megan Owens, Executive Director of Transportation Riders United. Bill Bradley, a reporter, uh, author of an article in City Lab about streetcars. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Thanks Absolutely. for the opportunity. All right, up next, we're going to talk about our personal data and how it can now be used to determine when people go to prison or get parole. Stay with us on Detroit Today.